0: Come, follow me, the Savior said, then let us in his footsteps tread, for thus alone can we This is Lexi Austin, and you are listening to The Savior Said, Season 2. This is a weekly podcast that follows my study of the Gospel of Jesus Christ. Each week I will be using the Come, Follow Me curriculum of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. This curriculum can be found online at comefollowme.churchofjesuschrist.org. For more fun, follow me on Facebook at facebook.com/thesaviorsaid. Please note, episodes of The Savior Said are not meant to replace your Come Follow Me experience, but to supplement your own personal study of the scriptures. Hey guys, welcome back. This is the episode for March 2nd through 8th, Second Nephi 31 through 33. This is the way. Where are my Mandalorian fans at? I mean like this is the way. Yes, this is the way. Like the Mandalorian says. Um and very much like the whole Mandalorian concept of the way is the way that we follow Jesus Christ and the straight and narrow path. And that's what we're gonna be talking about. A lot this week in this week's episode. But the first thing that popped out to me in Come Follow Me this week, which is interesting because it was the very last thing in the Come Follow Me lesson. I um, mean, you know, sometimes at the very bottom, they have like this little tiny box and it's like in gray, and sometimes it's like grayed out a little bit. It's kind of hard to see. It's in smaller type, and it says Improving Our Teaching. And in this particular little box this week of this week's Come Follow Me assignment, it says Emulate the Savior. It is helpful to study how the Savior taught. The methods he used and the things that he said, the Savior said, right? Perfect name for a podcast. That's awesome. But Jesus's power to teach and lift others ultimately came from who he was and how he lived. The more diligently you strive to live like Jesus Christ and rely on his atoning power, the more naturally you will teach in his way. Okay, that is my prayer this week because I've got some experiences I want to share with you guys where I really had to rely on the atoning power of my Savior this week. And so I really hope that you will see how I'm trying so hard to be like my Savior. And I hope that that spirit will come to you as well and um, kind of inspire you. There's just some stuff coming up. So be forewarned about that. But I love the idea that the more diligently we strive to live like Jesus Christ and rely on his atoning power, the more naturally we teach in his way. And it's really through the way that we live and the way that we love that we can really show our faith in Christ. And we can show that faith in Christ to others and encourage them to follow Christ as well. All right, we could jump right in to the introduction and it says, Among Nephi's last recorded words, we find this declaration. The Lord commanded me and I must obey. Okay, so... Come follow me is so interesting to me and the way it makes me think about these ancient voices as they're coming alive in my mind as I'm studying them. And an example of this is back when we were doing the New Testament, come follow me, you know, throughout like the major portion of my adult life Paul has been one of my scriptural superheroes. So we start studying him in the New Testament, Come Follow Me, and I'm so excited. I'm like, yeah, Pauline Epistles, we're going to jump right in and I'm just going to love Paul and he's going to be amazing. And no, Paul really aggravated me after doing the Come Follow Me assignment. But then there were other characters like John the Baptist who really came much more alive for me than I had ever really you know, before had him in my mind. So it's interesting to me, the different characteristics that I'm kind of seeing as I really delve deeply into these scriptures. And Nephi is another one where for a long time, Nephi annoyed me because he was like the bossy older brother who told everybody else what to do. And he was just Mr. Goody Goody and super perfect. And, but actually going in and reading his words and the things that he said and the way that he lived, I'm starting to see more and more sides of Nephi. And specifically this, the Lord commanded me and I must obey. You know, the Lord commanded Nephi to do various things over the course of his life. Leave Jerusalem, leave the place where he was comfortable, walk through the wilderness, build a boat, put up with your gnarly brothers, even when they're mean and nasty to you. I mean, those were all different things that Nephi had to do. And part of me wonders, I'm like, did Nephi want to? Did Nephi want to leave Jerusalem? Did he want to build a boat? Did he want to cross the seas? Like, was this in his life's plan or was this God's plan? And he just gave his will over to the Lord. And I think that's really what he did. So I wonder a lot of times while I'm reading these Nephi scriptures, I'm like, was Nephi happy? And I, I think he was, I think he found joy and peace in the Lord. But I think if Nephi had planned out his own life, I don't necessarily know that it would have gone the way that it did. And what an instructive experience that is for us who are looking at our own lives and planning them out and the different ways that we think we're going to, you know, succeed in things or the different ways we're going to live our lives. And then when they go completely off track, that's the way the Lord wants it. And following his will, the Lord commanded me and I must obey, like we read in 2 Nephi 33 15. Um, I saw a little meme kind of on social media this week. It's been around for a couple of years. I'm sure you've seen it, where it's like my plan. It's got like point A to point B. And then it's like, God's plan. And it's got like this crazy squiggly line that goes back and forth and up and down and all over the place between point A and point B. And I really feel like that's kind of how our lives are. You know, we have the set path that we've got this ideal for our lives. And then the Lord takes us every other place that we go, but we learn stuff from it. I see that a lot with Nephi. So Nephi, to me, Come Follow Me has done a really good job of making Nephi much more relatable, I think, for me in my life and likening the scriptures unto me. I'm able to liken Nephi's experiences unto me a whole lot more than I ever had before. So thank you, Come Follow Me. I'm grateful for that. All right. Our first section is Jesus Christ and his doctrine are the only way to eternal life. All right, Come Follow Me asks, if you had to summarize the path to eternal life in just a few words, what would you say? Well, it took me a moment to like sit down and actually think about this because I was like, well, I'd start reciting the fourth article of faith. First, you know, faith in Jesus Christ, second, repentance, third, baptism. And I'm like, but that's what Come Follow Me has, and they want you to say it in your own words. So I was like, my own words, what would I say that the path to eternal life is? And so I came up with three things. The first thing is finding Christ. You've got to find Christ wherever you are in your life, looking for Christ and finding him. Then once you find him and find his gospel, you've got to believe it. Believing Christ. And when you believe in him and you find him and you believe in him, you, the repentance comes naturally. You start, you know, taking those ordinances, covenants upon you, and you follow him, which is actually the third thing following Christ. So, finding Christ, believing Christ, and following Christ. And then, like, the cycle repeats itself. Because once you've found Christ in one area of your life, then you go and you look for him in another area of your life, and you keep just, you know, repenting and coming closer to him and becoming more purified through him as you go along the gospel path. Like that's really what, how I would summarize the path to eternal life. And of course, you know, Nephi characterizes it so plainly, and he puts it out so simply, which is so wonderful. Much, much better explanation than I have just done. And this is in 2 Nephi 31. And this is after Nephi has kind of had a vision of the baptism of Jesus Christ. And we are in verse 9. And he says, and again, it showeth unto the children of men the straightness of the path and the narrowness of the gate by which they should enter, having set the example before them. And he said unto the children of men, follow thou me. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, can we follow Jesus, save we will be willing to keep the commandments of the Father? So do we have faith in Jesus Christ enough to follow the things that he's going to tell us? So first, faith in Jesus Christ, right? Second, and the Father said, repent ye, repent ye, and be baptized in the name of my beloved Son. So repent and be baptized. And also the voice of the son came unto me saying, he that is baptized in my name to him will the father give the Holy ghost like unto me, wherefore follow me and do the things which you have seen me do. So that's kind of how Nephi lays it all out. That fourth article of faith right there, faith in Jesus Christ, repentance, baptized in his name by proper, proper authority, right? And then receiving the Holy ghost. So those are the four things we need to do. Nephi is so great with that. Okay. So studying that particular section and come follow me it's got two talks in there that are really good and i recommend that you go look actually i recommend you go look up one of them the other one i'm kind of like uh, why was this even included so deto Christofferson's the doctrine of christ is the one that i'm kind of like huh cuz if you go in and you look at it it's all about how we follow the prophet and we don't rely on, like, other pieces of doctrine, but only what has, like, officially been stated and the most current, which is good. Like, this is all really good stuff. Like, you probably need to know. But I'm like, what does that have to do with, like, what we're studying? Come follow me. I don't know. But there is one little quote that he has in there that's really good. And it says, The Prophet Joseph Smith confirmed the Savior's central role in our doctrine in one definitive sentence. The fundamental principles of our religion are the testimony of the apostles and prophets concerning Jesus Christ. That he died, was buried, rose again the third day, and ascended unto heaven. And all other things which pertain to our religion are only appendages to it. Like, yes, Joseph, that is awesome. Because it's true. Faith in Jesus Christ and the rock of our foundation there with our faith in Jesus Christ is everything else is an appendage to it. Everything else is planted on that seed of our faith in Jesus Christ, right? And Detal Christofferson continues, Joseph Smith's testimony of Jesus is that he lives, for he saw him even on the right hand of God, and he heard the voice bearing record that he is the only begotten of the Father. D. Todd Christopherson says, I appeal to all those who hear or read this message to seek through prayer and study of the scriptures that same witness of the divine character, the atonement, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Accept his doctrine by repenting, being baptized, receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost, and then throughout your life, following the laws and covenants of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So that is a quote that I found from the Deta Christofferson talk that kind of applies to what we're studying this week. And I have to say he added on the one thing I had been forgetting that Nephi said like over and over and over again is enduring to the end. Like Deta Christofferson adds on and I left that out earlier. So enduring to the end is like fourth article of faith. And then the fifth thing to add on to it is enduring to the end. Okay, but the second talk reference by Come Follow Me, I loved. And I definitely recommend that you go and you read through the whole thing because it's like amazing. Um, It takes like all the doctrine that we've heard before, you know, like the fourth article of faith and enduring to the end, and then like adds some other insights onto it that were really, really helpful for me. And so I definitely recommend that you go check it out. We're going to touch on a few of those insights this week. Okay, so it's Brian K. Ashton, The Doctrine of Christ from November 2016 Ensign. Here we go. And the first thing he starts out with is the difference between the atonement and the doctrine of Jesus Christ. There's a difference between the two things. And he kind of delineates that. He says the atonement of Christ creates the conditions upon which we may rely upon the merits, the mercy, and the grace of the Holy Messiah to be perfected in Christ, obtain every good thing, and gain eternal life. I'm like, yes. Okay, so if you were to ask me what the difference was between the atonement of Jesus Christ and the doctrine of Jesus Christ, I would tell you the atonement is like one central event that makes everything else possible, and that's what Brian K. Ashton is saying there, right? So then what is the doctrine? The doctrine is, according to Brian K. Ashton, the doctrine of Christ, on the other hand, is the means, the only means by which we can obtain all the blessings made available to us through the atonement of Christ. It is the doctrine of Christ that allows us to access the spiritual power that will lift us from our current spiritual state to a state where we can become perfected like the Savior. Of this process of rebirth, Elder D. Todd Christofferson has taught, being born again, unlike our physical birth, is more a process than an event. And engaging in that process is the central purpose of mortality. And I like that he talked about how it's a process because we look at that fourth article of faith, you know, faith, repentance, baptized, Holy Ghost, like kind of as a checklist. And then that enduring to the end seems like that's what we're doing for the rest of our lives. But if you go back in and you look at it, it's a process because once you're baptized and you've got the Holy Ghost, well, how are you using that covenant and that Holy Ghost in your life? You know, and Brian K. Ashton's going to talk a little bit more about it. So we we'll start off with first, faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and his atonement. And I like that he added on and his atonement. Upon hearing the words of Christ, we exercise faith by choosing to follow the teachings and the example of the Savior. To do this, Nephi taught that we must rely wholly upon the merits of Christ, who is mighty to save. Because Jesus was a God in the premortal existence, he lived a sinless life. And during his atonement, he satisfied all the demands of justice for you and me. He has the power, the keys to bring about the resurrection of all men, and he made it possible for mercy to overpower justice upon conditions of repentance. Once we understand that we can obtain mercy through Christ's merits, we are able to have faith unto repentance, to rely wholly upon Christ's merits, then is to trust that he did what was necessary to save us, and then to act upon our belief. So I think sometimes we try so hard to work out our own salvation. We try so hard to be perfect and to do the right thing. And that's not always possible in this life. And when we try and really work out our own salvation, sometimes I think we fall short and we give up and we get frustrated and we need to realize that, no, we're not going to reach salvation in this life. We're to It's after this life, and it's through the merits of Jesus Christ, who is mighty to save. So that's the great news of the gospel is that he's here with us and that, yeah, we're going to mess up, but that price has already been paid, you know, and it's not something that we're going to earn on our own. We're doing this because it helps us become more like Jesus Christ, not because we're earning our salvation, if that makes sense. Okay, so here's where we're going to go into the part where I'm going to get real uncomfortable. So, um, at the end of Brian K. Ashton's talk, you know, he's got all his different little footnotes as he goes along. And they're really good footnotes. He's got some really good ones. But there's footnote 54. And reading footnote 54 was a really good experience for me. Um, He says, and this is in reference to a scripture that we read this week, 2 Nephi 31, 16, which says, and now, my beloved brethren, I know by this that unless a man shall endure to the end and following the example of the Son of the living God, he cannot be saved. All right, so we believe in Jesus Christ. This is what the footnote also adds on. Enduring to the end is aptly named, as it requires both time and endurance. The fact is that we cannot develop some Christ-like attributes without phasing opposition and difficulties. For example, how can we become long-suffering if we are never required to suffer for a long time? Okay, and I was like, whoa, that's some deep stuff there. And, you know, if I had never even clicked on that little footnote, I would have totally missed that thought. But it reminded me a lot of this week. Okay, so we're going to go off on a rabbit trail here about mental illness. I know I've talked about mental illness before, mentioning that I have anxiety and depression and... But here's the thing is like 95% of the time, I'm so high functioning that I forget that I have it or I'm able to pretend like I don't have it. And then there are those times where it comes and it like punches me in the gut and it kind of throws my whole world into a, a tailspin. And for you to really understand kind of what I went through this week, I want you to think about, you know, if someone said they were hallucinating and seeing 10 foot tall pink elephants everywhere they went. You would be like, oh, you need to go get a brain scan. Like, you need to go get that taken care of. Like, you're really seeing elephants everywhere you go. Like, what? You know, you'd be really, really concerned about them. You wouldn't tell them that they just needed to pray it away. You wouldn't tell them that they just needed to have more faith or that they were being lazy and just needed to walk it off, right? Well, when you're having mental illness, whether it be anxiety or depression or whatever it is that you've got going on, you're basically hallucinating feelings. Okay, your brain is telling you like there's a reason to be anxious and freaked out right now when there's not really a reason to be anxious or freaked out right now. You know, your brain's telling you there's a reason to feel like there's 10 foot elephants here when there's not really 10 foot elephants here. Okay, I'm trying to, do you see what I mean? So like if you had a condition where all of a sudden you saw pink elephants in your living room you know, yes, praying and, you know, reading your scriptures and, you know, following Jesus Christ and exercising, that would all be part of like the healing process. But you would also go to doctors and you would also rely upon medication and things like that. So, I just want to put that out there that when we are talking about mental illness, it is literally your brain telling you that something is existing that doesn't exist. Whether it's a feeling of sadness that things are never going to get better as it is with depression or anxiety where you're just completely freaked out and your brain is just like gone squirrely, which is what mine does. Or at least that's the case for me. I just thought that that was kind of a... um a way to explain what's going to happen next. So I have certain triggers that make it worse than other times. And a couple of these triggers are times where I have to trust people, specifically men. I have a really hard time trusting men. And there's a whole nother episode that has to deal with that. We'll talk about it some other time, but I just, I have a hard time trusting men, especially men I'm in relationships with. And then also I have a really hard time with holidays. And Christmas, my birthday and Valentine's Day are the ones that like really, really trigger me. And I'm not using that word facetiously. Like, you know, sometimes I know we use it with slang like trigger, like, oh, I'm so triggered right now. No, no. Valentine's Day is like literally a trigger for me. So I knew Valentine's Day was coming up and this I'm recording this the day after Valentine's Day and I knew Valentine's Day was coming up. So I've been working with my therapist and the way I have always controlled holidays before and gifts for my husband is that I basically control the whole thing. I tell him what to buy me, where to get it from, and how to wrap it. I mean, I have complete and utter control over it. Otherwise, I just cannot handle it. Like anxiety attacks, like I need to know what he's going to do and when he's going to do it and what he's going to get me. Otherwise, it like really, really freaks me out. You know, my brain hallucinates those pink elephants. And it's telling me if he doesn't get me this exact right thing in this exact right way, he doesn't love me. And that's what my brain will tell me. I'll like create all kinds of crazy thoughts around that whole thing. Well, I've been working with my therapist that this Valentine's Day, I was going to let go of that control was going to let my husband do his own thing for whatever he wanted to do for me. Because, you know, obviously having complete lockdown over your holidays and everything that people are giving you is not an okay and healthy way to live. Like, I mean, growing up, I can't even tell you, like, unwrapping my Christmas presents so I would know what they were before, like, I got them Christmas morning. I mean, like, just crazy, crazy stuff that goes along with that. So we were going to do it this year. And so I had several sessions with my therapist before Valentine's Day we ramped up my anti-anxiety meds. And, you know, the past several years, one of the things that my husband has always done is he's always brought flowers to work for me. And so I was like, that is what I was holding on to. I'm like, he is going to bring flowers to work for me. If that's all he does, that's all he does. And I'm okay with it. And I will be fine with it. And everything will be great. Like I was holding on to that. And that's how I'll know that he really loves me, that he really cares about me. Right. And my husband knows that, you know, I was not having any input on Valentine's day this year. He was going to take care of it. And so I didn't mention that out loud to him that that's really what I was holding on to. So Valentine's day comes around and it's Valentine's day morning and I'm waiting for those flowers to show up. And at first I'm like, okay, cool. Everything's fine. You know, the florist's probably haven't opened yet. And, um, you know, I can't expect them to be here first thing. And, you know, I'm kind of reasoning it out in my mind and, you know, using some coping techniques and things like that. And then it gets to be about mid morning and I'm seeing like other flower arrangements and stuff go down to other teachers and other classrooms as they walk by the library. And I'm starting to get a little nervous. And I'm like, well, maybe it's not coming from a flower shop. Maybe he's delivering them to me personally because he has done that before in the past too. And so I'm like waiting to see if I see him walking down the hallway to the library. And even to the point that there was this really nice church nearby that came in and gave all the teachers Valentines. And the guy who was delivering it looked like my husband at first. And he like walks in the library. And I'm like, hey! Oh, it's you. <laughs> and the guy was like, yeah, it's me. I was like, I'm sorry. I, I thought you're somebody else. I thought you're my husband. And it gets to be about lunchtime and there's still no flowers and still nothing, no word from my husband. And I'm going into our banking account and checking, like, our joint checking account that we have together to see if there's been any purchases lately from any flower shops or anything that would, like, indicate that flowers are coming. I mean, y'all, this is what I'm telling you. Like, my brain is telling me that there's 10 foot elephants there, and, like, this is me reacting to it. Like, my brain is literally telling me that if he doesn't do this thing, he doesn't love you, okay? And so I get to about lunchtime, and there's still no flowers. And so I get really mad at this point. I'm really, really angry to the point that I start thinking about one of my friends who's, you know, in the process, early stages of a divorce. And I knew she wouldn't be getting any flowers this year. So I went online and y'all, this is like, I'm so embarrassed by like some of my behavior. And, but you know, the thing is, is, I feel like it's important to be real. So you can see like what mental illness really is like. So I go online and I find like a really nice, beautiful bouquet of flowers To send to her as a Valentine's Day gift, you know, I'm like, well, if you know, I'm not getting flowers, then at least someone needs to be getting flowers. And you know how crazy expensive flowers are to send on Valentine's Day; like, they are ridiculous to send that those flowers on Valentine's Day. But I did it, and I was like, really did it because I was really mad at my husband, and he's like really super budget conscious. So I knew that he'd be really mad when he found out how much I had spent on sending these Valentine's Day flowers. So I mean, that was like me acting out at him already, and. Like, just getting crazier and crazier as the day goes on. Like, bursting into tears in the middle of classes. Like, it was a bad day. And finally, I get to the end of the school day. Still no flowers. And I text him, like, hey, I'm getting ready to leave school. Do I need to wait for flowers to show up? You know, which is against the rules. I probably shouldn't have even mentioned it at all. I wasn't supposed to mention any sort of Valentine's Day gifts. He was supposed to come up with it on his own. And so he just texts back, no. And I was like, okay, there's not flowers coming to work today. I mean, and I was like, all I want was a teeny tiny little bouquet of flowers. Like it could have been just like hand-picked daisies by the side of the road. But that was like my expectation. It was what I was holding on to. And there was nothing. So I get in the car. And I'm driving home, bawling my eyes out because I'm convinced my husband doesn't love me. Like to the point where I'm like, okay, what do I need to pack in my bags? And what hotel do I need to go sleep in tonight? Because I can't be in the same house house with him. Like he just doesn't love me enough to stay with me anymore. And I mean, like, this is where my mind is going. Like this is mental illness. This is like a reality of mental illness. And as I'm driving, I'm pouring my heart out to my father in heaven. And saying, Heavenly Father, why would you do this to me? Why would you put me in a marriage where I'm not loved and cherished? And, you know, like this is what my mind is telling me right now. And, you know, I'm going on and on and on. And then I get to the point where I'm like, okay, Heavenly Father, I've talked to you. I need you to talk to me. And it was just like silence. And I didn't feel anything from Him. And I'm like, okay, well, maybe there's something going on in my brain where I can't really feel the spirit right now because of course I was like whacked out. So I was like, I am just going to turn on Christian music. And Heavenly Father, if you want to talk to me, talk to me through the songs. The first three songs that came on, the first one was God Only Knows by King and Country, which is all about only God knows what you're going through. And y'all, I burst into tears because I'm like, yes, only my Savior who has walked through every valley that you can possibly have on this earth knows what I'm going through. Only he who has held every burden, including mental illness and including whatever it is that I'm going through at this point, only he knows what I'm going through. So I was like, yes, Lord. Okay, I I feel you on that. Yes, you're talking to me. And then the second song that came on was Trust in You by Lauren Daigle, which is all about trusting in the Lord no matter what happens, much like Nephi did you know, he's in the middle of the seas, like tied up to a big ship. His brothers are like being weird and dancing around him and everything. And he's still trusting in the Lord. And I'm like, well, if Nephi can do it, I can do it. And I'm like holding on to dear life to know that the Lord has my best interests at heart, no matter what is going on. And then the final one was Beloved by Jordan Feliz, which is, you know, you are loved. You may not feel it right now, but you are loved. And so that message is what I took home with me was, I know what you're going through. Trust in me. Trust the process. And you are loved more than you know. And so bong my eyes out like hot mess. I get home, you know, husband, nowhere in sight. I'm like, I don't even know where he is. I'm like, and I literally think he's left me. I'm like, oh my gosh, he chose Valentine's day to leave me. Like, and he's not even here. I mean, this is like, y'all, this is where my mind goes. This is the reality of what like life with anxiety sometimes is like. And I get inside the house. And of course there's a gorgeous bouquet of flowers, chocolates, and this card that is so sweet. It's like everything I need to hear right now. But there's still no husband. And of course, my whole mind is like, oh well, he just feels guilty. He didn't want to drive all the way out to my school. And so that's why this and And like the poor man <laughs> later, he walks in the door. He had been at a local Mexican restaurant that I love getting tacos and cheese dip for me. But the first thing I do is run up to him with like the card in his face. Like, do you really mean this? Do you really mean this? Or did you just pick it out because it's pink and sparkly? And you know, I like pink sparkles. Like, do you really mean this? Or is this all just a big show to you? And he's like, what is happening right now? (laughs) like, I'm just having a meltdown. And it took a good long while for me to calm down and believe that everything he had done was for real. And that the reason he hadn't brought anything out to my school was because there was a guy in our front yard taking care of this giant tree that needed to be removed and he couldn't leave the guy who was taking care of the giant tree to take flowers out to me. And so I was like, okay, well, that makes sense. And he was like, and also we're paying so much money for this guy to come remove this tree that I didn't want to spend it on like delivery of flowers. So I figured you could just get flowers at home. I'm like, well, that would have been really nice to know, but I wasn't allowed to tell you about it because we were doing this whole thing about trust and like, okay, well, do you see how like crazy life got there in like the space of like eight hours? And I know that that was a really long story, but that just goes on to show you this next part. I just want you to understand kind of like where my mind was at, because as I was going through all this, there were two scriptures from this week's reading that really stuck out to me that I was thinking about. The first one was Second Nephi thirty two nine, and it says, And behold, I say unto you that ye must pray always and not faint, that ye must not perform anything unto the Lord, save in the first place that ye shall pray unto the Father in the name of Christ, that he will consecrate thy performance unto thee, that thy performance may be for the welfare of thy soul. And I have always used this verse in the past for like good things. Um a lot of what I do in my job when I'm teaching or when I'm reading books to kids is performance. Um, I did a lot of musical theater in high school. And so I feel like I'm performing a lot of times when I'm reading books or, you know, when I'm doing podcasts, the voice, the expressiveness, like that's all theater training. And so I pray a lot before I do those like performances. And I'm saying that in quotation marks, because I want to consecrate the performance for God and, you know, make sure that even when I'm reading, you know, books about bunnies or whatever, that it's for his glory for literacy and kids and to make their lives better, you know? And so that's the prayer that I pray help these lessons to go well so that they can learn the things you want them to know, that this performance may be consecrated for thy good. And as I was driving home and, you know, just unloading on the Lord about everything that I felt like I was going through at that moment, that was one of the scriptures that came to me was consecrate this experience, this horrible valley that I feel like I'm walking in, consecrate it for good, whether it be my good or the good of someone else I come in contact with who learned something from my story, consecrate it for good. And Nephi's scripture really stood out to me this week because of that. The second scripture that stood out to me that we read was 2 Nephi thirty-one three, For my soul delighteth in plainness. For after this manner doth the Lord God work among the children of men. For the Lord God giveth light unto the understanding. For he speaketh unto men according to their language, unto their understanding. And at that point... I was so wrapped up so tightly and and wound up so much in anxiety. There is nothing that anybody could have said at that point that could have reached me other than those songs. And so those two scriptures are really what got me through is I was like, I know that this is going to be something that's going to come. There's going to be good that comes from it. And also the Lord spoke to me in a language, the only language that would reach me at that point where I was, which was so beautiful to me. So all that to say, as we're going through the next couple of stages here in the gospel straight and narrow path, I wanted you to know that experience is what was on my mind as I was reading through the rest of this. So Brian K. Ashton's talk, Second Repentance. Repentance is a precious gift from our Heavenly Father that is made possible through the sacrifice of His only begotten Son. It is the process that the Father has given us by which we change or turn our thoughts, our actions, and our very being that we become more and more like the savior. It is not just for big sins, but a daily process of self-evaluation and improvement that helps us to overcome our sins, our imperfections, our weaknesses, and our inadequacies. Those moments where we choose not to believe the best in other people, this is Lexi, not Brian K. Ashton, where we choose not to believe the best in other people when we choose to see the worst or think the worst of somebody it helps us overcome that. Brian K. Ashton, Repentance causes us to become true followers of Christ, which fills us with love and casts out our fears. Repentance is not a backup plan, just in case our plan to live perfectly fails. Continual repentance is the only path that can bring us lasting joy and enable us to return to live with our Heavenly Father. So I wanted to use the spot because I feel like sometimes we think repentance is only for sin. And it's only for when we screw up, but repentance is there with us. Repentance is not an eraser; it is it erases things, but also repentance is the process by which we get closer to our Father in Heaven, by which we take our little human moments, sometimes our big human moments, as I had yesterday, and we can use that to help bring us closer to our Heavenly Father. I can find all the different ways where next time I can be better. Next time I can trust, and next time I can rely on Him. All right, the next thing that we talk about in the gospel of Jesus Christ on the covenant path is third baptism and the sacrament. I like that Brian K. Ashton includes that. The ordinances of baptism and the sacrament symbolize both the end result and the process of being born again. In baptism, we bury the old man of flesh and come forth in the newness of life. In the sacrament, we learn that this change is a step-by-step process where little by little, week by week, we are transformed as we repent, covenant and through increased endowments of the spirit become more like the savior ordinances and covenants are essential within the doctrine of christ it is through worthily receiving ordinances of the priesthood and keeping the associated covenants that the power of godliness is manifested in our lives elder d todd christopherson explained that this power of godliness comes in the person and by the influence of the holy ghost And I feel like the Holy Ghost was with me when I started listening to those songs and it was, you know, having that extra measure of the spirit by taking the sacrament, I believe is what really helped the Holy Ghost be there with me to comfort me through a time where I was pretty much uncomfortable, (laughs) uncomfortable, like not able to be comforted. I just realized that that's where that word comes from, but yeah, I wasn't able to be comforted, but the Holy Ghost was able to comfort me. I was uncomfortable. Fourth the gift of the Holy Ghost, which ha- aside, like a humorous note here, um, you know, we're in the South. And so there's lots of talk about church and Jesus and stuff like that everywhere you go. And this week I was doing a little kindergarten class. They came to the library and we were reading stories and stuff like that. And as we come in, one of my little kindergartners is, Miss Austin, is the Holy Ghost your friend? And I turned to him. I'm going to call him Grant. And I was like, yes, Grant, the Holy Ghost is my friend. And he kept saying. Miss Austin, do you have the Holy Ghost with you? And I, told, I was like, looked at his little face and I was in my heart. I'm like, this is so neat that I get to tell this little boy that I do have the Holy Ghost. And I know that I do because when my dad gave me the gift of the Holy Ghost, he had the authority to do so. I didn't tell him all that, but I was just so pleased to be able to look at his little face and say, yes, I have the Holy Ghost with me and I know that he's with me and like he kept he kept being so surprised by that kept coming back to me miss austin the holy ghost is with you I'm like oh yes grant the holy ghost is with me and I bet he's with you too you know and we just talked about it the whole time he's like the holy ghost is here I'm like oh yes I'm sure the holy ghost is here right now like he's just so amazed by that so the gift of the holy ghost all right (laughs) so brian k ashton says After baptism, we are given the gift of the Holy Ghost through the ordinance of confirmation. This gift, if we receive it, allows us to have the constant companionship of a God. Literally, a God. And we're going to go into Doctrine and Covenants 2028. This is the footnote that goes along with that statement. It says, Which Father, Son, and Holy Ghost are one God, infinite and eternal without end. We literally have the companionship of a God when we have the gift of the Holy Ghost with us. Like, how powerful is that statement? Does that change the way that, you know, needing to have the Holy Ghost in your life, all of a sudden, what that means to you? Like, I mean, to walk with the Holy Ghost in your life every day is to walk with God with you every day. Like that just, to me, it just was so powerful. Brian K. Ashton continues that because of the Holy Ghost, we have continual access to the grace that inherently comes with his influence. As our constant companion, the Holy Ghost gives us additional power or strength to keep our covenants. He also sanctifies us, which means to make us free from sin, pure, clean, and holy through the atonement of Jesus Christ. The process of sanctification not only cleanses us, but it also endows us with much-needed spiritual gifts or divine attributes of the Savior and changes our very nature, such that we have no more disposition to do evil. And then fifth, enduring to the end. The prophet Nephi taught that after receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost, we must endure to the end following the example of the son of the living God, which I love that phrase, son of the living God. And this is where the footnote comes from, where the fact is we cannot develop some Christ-like attributes without facing opposition and difficulties. All right, that took on whole new meaning for me this week. And then Brian K. Ashton ends with, I testify that Jesus Christ is the savior of the world and that his is the only name by which we can be saved. And all things that are good are made available only through him. But to actually lay a hold upon every good thing, including eternal life, we must continually apply the doctrine of Christ in our lives. I love that talk by Brian K. Ashton. Um, it really just made me reflect on a lot of things and, you know, consecrate that experience this week that I had for my good because now I can empathize even more with people who are going through a hard time or people who are feeling lonely on Valentine's Day or any other day of the week or people who are struggling with spouses or, you know, it gave me a whole lot more empathy, I think, than I had previously. Um, It gave me a whole new understanding for like... mess that is in my head and the things that I need to work on, which sounds funny, but it's going to give me stuff that I can then work on with my therapist and we can explore a little bit more on the ways that I can become healthier. And when I become healthier and happier, that brings me closer to Christ. And mental illness is not a sin at all. Um, I just think that it gave me some ways that I can come closer to my heavenly father by relying more completely upon him. And um, I hope that's what you took from that. Not that mental illness is a sin, but um, I think I'm going to end there. There was so much other good stuff in this week's reading, but it's all very plain and laid out for you so perfectly. And Nephi's right. He does glory in plainness, which in these last three chapters were so beautiful, Um, because they are laid out so neatly, like this is the covenant path that you need to walk. And these are the things that are going to get you down this covenant path. And this is why, because we have a savior and a savior who is beautiful and who has done beautiful things for us and will walk with us in the places in our lives that are not beautiful, but that one day he will make us beautiful and he will give us beauty for ashes We give him our little ashes, our little, you know, I tried and he gives us beauty and he makes us perfect through him. And one day because of him, there will be no such thing as mental illness. There will be no such thing as anxiety. There will be no such thing as loneliness. There will be no such thing as any sort of illness or frailty or bad experience that we may have in this world. And so I want to leave my testimony of that with you guys. And I am going to end the episode here after that, because I just don't think there's anything else I can discuss after that, that would be as impactful, I guess, as what I've already said. Um, I hope you will forgive me for I've taken up so much of the episode with my own personal experiences. And I hope you won't think less of me. I know it was not a good story. It was not um, my proudest moment, but I think sometimes by being raw and open with each other, we can learn from each other's struggles and experiences. So I hope you will take that for what it's worth and I hope you will be a little kinder if you know someone who does struggle with anxiety or any sort of other mental illness that you know they may be just like you or me and they just may have a little 10 foot elephant sitting in their brain so um yeah with that I'll end this week's episode bye y'all the Savior Said is not an official product or endorsed by The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter day Saints. All comments and opinions are my own personal opinions and not representative of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter day Saints. The music used in The Savior Said is Fireflies and Stardust by Kevin McLeod. The hymn quoted in the opening is Come Follow Me, lyrics by John Nicholson. The Come Follow Me curriculum can be found at comefollowme.churchofjesuschrist.org. For show notes, new episode alerts, and other fun and inspirational things, check out my Facebook page at facebook.com slash thesaviorsaid. You can also find me on Instagram. Comments or questions, email me at said at gmail.com. Content in The Savior Said is copyright protected. All rights are reserved. Thank you for listening.